to begin with, I'm going to read, I think, roughly half the Bible. Just kidding. Uh, But I am going to read a couple of passages from Isaiah. Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah 11. I'm going to read from the message. And I'm going to switch back to the NIV and read from Isaiah 35. Isaiah 11. A green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots a budding branch. The life-giving spirit of God will hover over him, the spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances. He won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what is right. He'll render decisions on the earth's poor with justice. His words will bring everyone to odd attention and the mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. Each morning he'll pull on sturdy work clothes and build righteousness and faithfulness into the land. A wolf will romp with the lamb, and a leopard will sleep with the kid. The calf and the lion will eat from the same trough, and a little child will tend them. A cow and a bear will graze in the same pasture, and their calves and cubs will grow up together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will crawl over rattlesnake dens, and the toddler will stick his hand down the hole of a serpent, and neither animal nor human will hurt or kill on my holy mountain, for the whole earth will be brimming with knowing God alive, the living knowledge of God, ocean deep and ocean wide. From Isaiah 35, the desert and the parched land will be glad, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. And say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be a way for those who walk in the way, and wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast to get up or go on it. They will not be found there. Only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads, and gladness will overtake them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, last week, during... um, Lessons and Carols, Ryan reminded us that the word liturgy is a word that means the work of the people, right? That in these uh, times of worshiping together, that there is an exchange and that often those leading us in worship have a job and, and, and you have a job. You have work to do in worship. Sometimes it comes in the form of liturgy, right? In a call, in a response. Today, I need your participation during the sermon. Um, you don't have to say anything. I, y'all know me. I can say all the words. But here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to paint in broad strokes. Um, as Morgan can attest probably as well as anyone, that's about all I can do, right? Broad strokes. Um, and you're going to fill in the details. Does that work for everybody? So I'm going to draw maybe like the only kind of house I can draw, 
right, with a straightforward triangle roof, one window, one door. And you're going to fill in the details for what it means to have a home. Did that work? Okay. That's what we're going to do today. Okay, so here's my first broad stroke. Ready? December is not business as usual. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I see nodding. December is not business as usual. Now, you know, even in the land of actual, literal business, it's not business as usual. My mom was here in the first service. She owned and ran a a Christian bookstore, a retail business for 25 years. She could tell you in great detail <laughs> that December is what they're all counting on to get them in the black, right? Um, that nonprofits are raising money in the accounting departments under a little end of year pressure. It's not literal business as usual. Um, ask any teacher, any student, or any parent of one of those students if December is business as usual. Three quarters of us are rehearsing for something, right? <laughs> Um, and the other quarter of us are just trying to shuffle everybody between the rehearsals. And there's end of semester, and there's end of uh, the six weeks, and there are projects, and there are tests, and there are parties to attend, and there are things to do. It's just not business as usual. Um, it's not business as usual for families. It's not business as usual for uh, family gatherings and gifts. Food! Food is not business as usual in December. My grocery, looks, grocery list looks very different this month. So are you filling in the details of your own life and all those broad strokes? And maybe you're among the fortunate ones for whom most or all of those details are easy and fun and good and celebratory this year. Good. Bless you in that. But maybe not. Maybe not. This made me cry in the first service, and I don't know why. Maybe the business as usual is kind of hard this year. But either way, either way, December's a lot. There seems to be more of everything, more wonder and more worry more exaltation, more celebration, and more exhaustion. The brighter lights kind of cue us in that something different is going on, but it also casts a sharper focus and a clearer contrast, both on what we have and what we don't. And this is the strangely beautiful and uncomfortable gift of Advent. Advent is like the fancy church word for December, right? <laughs> this is what we call the season of the year leading up, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, the season of Advent. Um, and Advent is uncomfortable because it's a time of waiting. It's a time of waiting. Now, anybody in here just love to wait? They just love it? Look at Janet, that looks sad. <laughs> Amen. Somebody responded the way I feel. Mm -mm, no. You love walking into the post office with nine packages to mail right after 12 people decided to do exactly the same thing. Or how many of you loved the last week of pregnancy? Anybody? Nah. 
<laughs> I don't care if you were the one pregnant or not. Does not matter. Waiting is hard. Waiting is uncomfortable because we can't get on with business as usual, right? We can't get on with the things we'd rather be doing. I can't even play on my phone if I'm holding nine packages I got a mail while I'm standing in the long line. And I will never forget the last weeks of pregnancy. Again, my mom was here the first service. I could give her a hard time, right? Because the grandparents call roughly every 15 seconds. <laughs> Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Should I come yet? I'm really held. <laughs> We're really bad at waiting, and it's uncomfortable because we want to get on with business as usual. We want to go on to the things that we want to do, but sometimes there's nothing we can do but wait. But the beautiful part of Advent, the beautiful gift that we come to in Advent is that we get to remember and remind each other what we're waiting for. We remember, of course, that the ancient Jewish nation was waiting on the first coming of Jesus, right? Jesus came to earth in the way that we celebrate that, that he came as a baby at the very first Christmas. And we remind ourselves and we remember that we're waiting for Jesus to come again. That we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus. These scriptures that I read from Isaiah they give us, I think, some really good descriptions of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes for the second time. And I'm going to swap. Sw yep, I'm going to find the word. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Um, earlier I was doing my own crude sketches and broad strokes. But now I'm going to borrow some broad strokes from Isaiah. I'm going to retrace his way of showing us what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And I'm going to see if I can help it resonate with our imagination the way it would have the ancient Jewish audience. I'm going to see if it can stir our hearts and our minds the way it would have stirred theirs. Because honestly, really, y'all be honest, when I read that, did everybody go, yay? The lion will eat straw like the ox, what I've always wanted. <laughs> We don't have time to unpack it in its entirety, but we're going to hit some highlights and see if we can remind ourselves what we're waiting for. So in the 11th chapter of Isaiah, we have these first five verses that are a great description of Jesus. A green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump and from his roots, a budding branch. The life-giving spirit of God will hover over him, the spirit that brings wisdom and understanding the spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. Fear of God will be his joy and delight. He won't judge by appearances. He won't decide on the basis of hearsay. He'll judge the needy by what's right and render decisions on the earth's poor with justice. And his words will bring everyone to awed attention. A mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. And every morning he'll pull on sturdy work clothes and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. Okay, a couple of broad strokes from this description of who Jesus is. The first one is from the very beginning of the passage. It says that the life-giving spirit of God will hover over him. When an ancient Jewish audience heard those words, it would have stirred up the memory of creation itself. 
the Spirit of God hovering over the waters and creating an entire world, an entire cosmos. The Spirit of God hovered over Moses and not Sinai, and from it came the law that gave identity to a nation. When the Spirit of the living God hovers, there's capacity for impossible things to happen. Things that no one thought could come to be. A group of ex-slaves becomes a mighty nation. So this is where you fill in the blanks again. There's your broad strokes. When Jesus comes back, imagine a world where the things that you think are impossible are possible. Like this one. Look down at the bottom of this section. It says, a mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. So I want you to fill in some blanks here. Think about all the effort that we put in individually and as a society to topple the wicked. It's a lot, right? We put laws in place to make sure lawbreakers have to go to jail or pay a fine or do something. We're trying to bring about justice. It's clunky and it's awkward and we argue about how to do it best, but we're trying. And in your own life, all of your efforts to stand up right in the face of evil all the time. They seem insignificant and they seem like they don't matter, but this is the work that we do in the waiting. And imagine when Jesus comes back, when the Spirit of God blows like a mighty wind, and it is not a wind that blows away your work as insignificant, but it is a work that brings it to completion and culmination in a way we can't do on our own. Imagine a world where the wicked are toppled. Right? Imagine a world with no more people being explo exploited. No more murder. No more rape. No more death. No more sickness. The wicked are toppled. This is good news. And that every thread that seems insignificant, that you and I have contributed along the way, will be woven into a tapestry we barely have the courage to try to imagine. The next section of this chapter gives us all that weird list of animals that we don't really understand, right? The wolf will romp with the lamb and the leopard with the kid and the calf and the lion and the cow and the bear. So these are the two broad strokes I want us to take from this list. One is that the list of things that were formerly in danger and are now safe are all vulnerable. The sheep, the baby sheep, the lamb, the young goat, the calf. the nursing child, the toddler. All of the most vulnerable things in this world that are in danger will no longer be in danger. Can you imagine a world? Fill in the blanks with the vulnerable people that you know. Are names and faces coming to mind? The poor? Victims of violent crime? The lonely? The imprisoned? those who are struggling financially, those who are struggling emotionally. Think of the vulnerable people that you know and imagine a world. They're okay. Imagine a world where they're okay. Also, all of the animals that are listed here that are in danger, that are one day safe, are livestock. 
these are, this is like their money in the bank, so to speak, right? This is a world where there's enough. Can you imagine a world where there's enough? Can you feel tension falling out of your shoulders? Where the wicked have been toppled, where the vulnerable are protected, and where there's enough? In the 35th chapter, we have this great description of of life coming and, and springs of water erupting in the desert. Again, in the ancient Jewish imagination, you can, you can see how the desert took uh, center stage, right? They wandered around in one for like, what, 40 years? <laughs> they understand the miracle that it is when life comes from unexpected places in creation. When creation itself that is groaning with us for the return of Christ is healed. Um, I have only ever really driven through Arizona like once. <laughs> Maybe desert doesn't hit me like it did people who lived there for 40 years, but... You can fill in the blank about a healed creation. Many of you have been to repair homes that were damaged by hurricanes or earthquakes. Can you imagine a world where creation itself is healed? It says when when Jesus is here and when Jesus is in charge, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap, and the mute will shout for joy. Again, the ancient Jewish imagination would not have thought of these as primarily medical terms the way that we do. You know, I would think of blindness as something to be healed, just something wrong with the eyes or, or maybe the brain, but something primarily physical, something sort of clinical and medical, but they didn't think that way, right? They would have thought that blindness was a soul level sickness that manifested in this physical symptom. Does that make sense? So when they're saying the blind will see and the lame will leap, they're saying we can be healed all the way to the core of what's wrong. So we spent some time filling in the blanks with other people and with creation. Can you fill in the blanks with what's broken right here? The thing that that trips you up every time, right? The thing you make a New Year's resolution about every single year. Anybody else? Can you imagine what your life could be like if that was really healed? Just a couple more broad strokes. Our work between now and then is at least in part to do what we're instructed It says here um, in verse 3 of chapter 35, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, and say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. The way Peterson says it in the message is, do not fear because God is here. God is right here, and he's here to save us. Our work is to remind each other that in this waiting, it's worth it. The waiting is worth it. And at the very end of this passage, it says that as as we enter into this kingdom that Jesus will bring, that gladness will overtake us. Gladness will overtake us. 
I have to confess, and I think I have to confess this every year. Sometimes I have a hard time in December. I struggle to sort of muster up the joy that this season demands. But when I look in your faces, and I know that together, we can strengthen each other's feeble hands. We can steady each other's weak knees. We can speak to one another's fearful, fearful hearts, saying, God is here. God is right here. And I can live with you doing the work of waiting for gladness to overtake us. Amen. Amen.